Calling us from the Denver, Colorado area, we have Vinny Montez on the phone. Vinny is quite an interesting character, which you'll, you'll soon find out. He's a career law enforcement officer, and he's also a stand-up comic. Vinny, welcome to the show. Very much appreciated. Hey, thank you for having me on, Jay. I really appreciate it. It's good to have you here. I've been aware of you for quite a while. You're like all over this thing called the internet, the interwebs, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Vinny Montez is a stand-up comedian. His website is vinnymontez.com, correct? That is correct. And I believe you're also on Facebook as well, and you're probably on all the other forms of social media. Yeah, you got it. Instant, Snap, Twitter, Google Gram, whatever you want to look me up on. My handle is Vinny Montez. And uh, you're absolutely right. You can see me on all pretty much all platforms. Okay, it's V-I-N-N-I-E-M-O-N-T-E-Z, uh, com. I had a chance to watch one of your videos on your website real quick, and it was actually a news interview uh-huh. with you, and you were, we call biting the bullet. You were opening at, at a comedy club, and then they switched yep. to you being in your law enforcement job at the range. Uh, before we get into comedy, let's give a bird's eye view of your law enforcement career from start to finish. I got into law enforcement very early. It was probably when I was about six years old. Um, I had an affinity for watching Chips, Ponch and John, and so I. And really you're admitting just, that on national radio. Yeah, that's fine. I just want people to know that <laughs> I love, I love watching Chips. Um, I just the music would come on the intro, and yeah. I just like there was always some kind of moral to the story that they were involved in. And I thought it was really great. So I just had an aspiration as I was really young to, you know, want to be one of those guys. And so at age 14, I joined an Explorer post. I couldn't get onto the sheriff's office where I'm currently at until I was 16 because they didn't take Explorers till then. So I joined a smaller agency and it was my indoctrination into law enforcement. And uh, I just transferred over to the sheriff's office where I work now at age 16. And I've been there ever since. Uh, they hired me as a dispatcher, 911 call taker when I was 18. As I started my career in college, I was uh, working as a call taker, and I got hired by the university also as an hourly call taker because we were on the same CAD system, and became a cop in uh, 98, went to the academy in 97, spent my first three years, almost three years in the jail. It was a very unique experience because I'd already done the reserve FTO program, which was a full FTO on the street. And I was excited because I thought they were going to hire me right to the street. But they're like, hey, kid, you need a little more life experience. The jail is the best spot for you. So I went, and lo and behold, it turned out being a very good thing for me because it really um, taught me the interaction with people. After I worked in the jail for a few years, I transferred to the street in 2001 and worked there and pretty much did everything you could do with patrol, DUI officer, the whole nine yards, and then moved to detectives, which was probably – I mean, sorry for all the detectives that are listening, but it was my least favorite. I was a property crimes detective, so it was just a lot of in and out of, you know, running people down that were stealing stuff. And after I did that, they uh, recruited me over to narcotics, and I did a tour there, got promoted to sergeant, came out to the street, uh, worked for a while there, and then went back into narcotics for uh, another tour as a supervisor, came out of there in 2016, and uh, somebody thought it was a good idea to make me a commander in um 2018, which uh, in most agencies, people think a commander differently. It's the equivalent for us as a like, lieutenant in most okay. agencies. So that's it. And I've been um, doing comedy since 2007, and I, I love this job. It's been very – it's a great job, as everybody knows. There's a lot of parallels in your career and mine. 
which we'll go into in a moment. But first, we got to go back to the whole chips thing. I remember chips. I remember watching it. And the question is, I'm sure a lot of people listening right now are wondering, who did you relate with more, Ponch or John? Uh, probably Ponch. Okay. Probably did you do you have the smile? Because he had a, he had that smile. <laughs> I do have a pretty good smile. I have an eyebrow that sticks up pretty well too. <laughs> um, I, I was I've always been a magnet for um, you know. Wherever I go, there's you know usually chaos that ensues, and uh, I've been that guy, and I and I've embraced that, and I've also just challenged people in their comfort zones, and I'm very um, gregarious, and um, I, I, when I walk into a room, I bring a certain energy, and uh, yeah, and I think that was kind of like Punch, and then John was kind of there to be um, a filter sometimes, and somebody to kind of be a little bit more reasonable. And I think that that I have people in my career who fill in those roles like John did for Punch. You absolutely right. I remember being a, a sergeant, a newly promoted sergeant out of narcotics, and I wanted a, a squad of, of of guys like me. Uh, when I say guys, it's men and women. And you and I both know this. In the law enforcement world, we don't really call out gender. It's guys. So I wanted right. a squad of guys who are all go getters. And then I began to realize the importance of having. The, the the John to counterbalance things. The guys who are good with reports. The guys who are good with long term investigations like property crimes, which I found boring as all get out too. But I wanted <laughs> the guns, the drugs, the killers, and and all that stuff. But you can't have a whole group of people like that. And and by the way, I find it while it was really enjoyable and I loved it. I loved the action. That stuff, I was a kind of magnet too. That stuff, after a while, begins to take a toll on you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Without a doubt. And it's not something you can uh, sustain forever. I mean, I, I don't know of anybody that can. You can be super cop for so long, and then you got to take a breather. You got to come up for air somewhere. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what really was the catalyst towards moving me into a direction where. I wasn't really listening to that. I was constantly wanting to be in the mix. You know, I was working all the time. Um, I was at the agency. And in 2000, the early 2000s, our, our current sheriff took over. And I remember pretty vividly where he pulled me aside. He's like, hey, man, you need to slow down. You're burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, hey, I'm your go-to. I mean, what are you talking about? And he had a lot of wisdom and experience, you know, which a lot of us cops don't have that perspective when we're younger in the career. And I was headed for a point of destruction, which I didn't really understand at that time. Um, you know, what you just said is like the cumulative effect of being in this business, the things you see, taste, smell, hear, that all adds up over time, whether or not you want to acknowledge it or not. And for me, 2008 was the event uh, in February of 08, where I just had to really realize that. We're, we're talking with Vinny Montez. Vinny is a career law enforcement officer. He's also a stand-up comic. He does comedy at the clubs. He does comedy videos. He has a YouTube channel. He has all the social media. has his own website, VinnyMontez.com. When we return from break, we're going to talk about dark humor in police work and law enforcement, why it's so necessary, why it comes about. I'm going to talk about his career and so much more. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You can find us on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show Facebook page. 
Be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. Newsbreak is your number one local news app for current events, free live news for you and your community. Download the Newsbreak app today for free and be sure to follow the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast on the Newsbreak app. Return conversation with Vinny Montez. Vinny is a career law enforcement officer out of Colorado, and he's also a professional stand-up comedian. I got to tell you, Vinny, I love comedians, and I'm very particular. There's certain ones that I really, really like. I'll give you an example: some of the old school ones, the Shecky Greens, the uh, the Don Rickles, whatever his name was. But then you guys like oh, Bill Don Rickles, oh. yeah. You got guys like Bill Burr, or who was phenomenal. You got uh, the fluffy guy. I can't remember his name. Who's phenomenal? Gabriel and, and then yeah. there's the guy out of Chicago. I can't say his last name right. He's like uh, Sebastian Maniscalco or something like that. Phenomenal. Uh, Sebastian Maniscalco. Manis- I can't say. I can't. You know what it is? I love ethnic humor. I'm an old school guy. I like the comedians that, and some of them have lost this. I like the comedians that can go ethnic, but you know they don't mean any harm, and they just, they're okay being who they are. Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Because that's who we all are. It's like, you know, I worked in law enforcement back in the 1980s, and people have this conception in their mind that we are not a diverse group. I worked with men and women. We had Jews, Muslims. We had gays. We had lesbians. We had straight guys, Christians. It didn't matter. No one cared the slightest about who you were or where you came from. They cared about if you handled your post, you handled your calls, and if I got into a jam, you were there. Right. And that's, I I think I like that about comedians as well. They're okay being who they are. Yeah, I mean, like, I poke fun at myself all the time. I talk about my Mexican heritage. Um, You know, you're referring to Sebastian Maniscalco, and I, I just had to remember how to say his name really quickly. But, yeah, I think that you have to be comfortable in your own skin you know i think that um i talk a lot about my mom and my comedy um i i grew up in a very affluent community but my family was not affluent whatsoever and most of the people i went to school with were white and i got indoctrinated in that culture as well but at home it was a very traditional mexican mother who would have no problem putting you know a spatula to me or a flipper to me if i was getting out of line and very traditional in it and i talk about it like in some of the bits that i run uh, where I talked about my mom being riding along with me, and we're dealing with a bunch of drunk guys one night, <clears throat> and I leave her in the cop car, and I'm talking to this guy, and I'm like, hey, dude, let's quit pushing around these kids. Let's go to detox. What do you say? And he's like, let me tell you something, fat boy. I'll kick your ass, fat boy. My mom grabs the PA from the car and is like, Miko, you need some backup? <laughs> and so I take, I take what I have in my cultural background, and I kind of incorporated it. Not kind of. I incorporated it right into the comedy I think it's so much important to talk about the cultural background. And you're right. I don't care who you are, whether you're Jew, Muslim, uh, Mexican, you know, Puerto Rican, African-American, whatever it is, you have to talk about what you know. And that's right. what makes comedy relatable. And, and be who topic. you are. That's the thing. And yeah. I guess part of it is, Vinny, I, I'm from an Irish Catholic background. My, my grandparents immigrated from Ireland. And I got all the things you talked about with your mother – it's the same with mine and the Irish Catholic mom. Uh, I've never been hit so hard in my life on a street as I have been by my mom. It's just, 
She could teach yeah, Mike Tyson a thing or two about throwing a right. This woman, and you know, these the, they had such a profound influence on me growing up that transformed and carried over into how I was on the street as a cop. Yes, 100%. And I couldn't agree with you more. Like, you know, we're still all human beings, and we all have different perspectives on stuff. When we go on calls, one of the things, like, growing up, watching how different families, you know, responded to situations like kids out of control and mouthing off to their parents, go to these calls, and I'd, I'd sit there, and I'd just be amazed. I'd have to step back and go, man, if this was my mom, because that's all I could think about is my mom dealing with the situation. It would be way different than, you know, and, of course, we can't advocate, you know, parents hitting their kids or anything like that, but in my own personal context, in my personal background growing up in a, with a traditional Mexican mother, things were dealt with a lot differently. Oh, the yeah. boundaries of what you could say and what you could get away with at home were way different than what I've experienced on the street as a cop. I, and, I remember uh, those, too. It always too. makes me laugh. It, it, it never fails. I can count on one hand and have five fingers left over the amount of times my mom called the police on us. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. If she got to the point where she needed to call for backup from anybody, I'm telling you, it just never got to that point. And and to compound the ethnicity and the background, she's also a, a Navy mom and a Navy wife. Dad was gone a lot oh, wow. out the sea. So there was no backup. It was her. And uh, her word, her word w- was the final word. That was it. Yeah, 100%. Same with my house. I mean, I if I wanted to get any kind of quarter, I would try to lean toward my father because even though he was, uh, my dad, my mom firmly held the reins when it came to the discipline and making sure that there was order in the household. So I can completely relate to that. So this carries over into your career in law enforcement. We're going to backtrack a little bit. The domestic disputes, the family disputes, we call, get those calls. And I remember having them as well. And there's certain, certain things you'd want to be able to say from your growing up your background and there's what procedure says you have to say and i found myself quite often having to bite my tongue on those calls especially at family disputes oh yeah i think that goes on today i think people i mean law enforcement officers come from you know a certain background you know where there is some kind of boundaries to relationships and so forth and you know they see things a little bit differently and you're right. They have to bite their tongue. I know I have. I've been on calls where I want to share my personal opinion, but there's no room for that. Oftentimes, sometimes relating to people, you know, you share personal experiences if you choose to, but you, you really do have to bite your tongue. And sometimes that adds pressure to the cops because they're like, they never, you know, they get, they got to fill a role, but they don't ever get to say what they really want to say. And that not only comes into that kind of role, but it also carries over into other things that we say. And I think that's kind of like the dark humor where we can't express dealing with the situation that we're in, that we're in front of. And I'll give you a prime example. Death is a very dark topic. And as cops, we see a lot of death and you can't, it's not something you want to joke around in front of the public, but yet at the same time, you have to joke with your colleagues in some aspects because that's the way to deal with it. And that's how you process the whole thing. And humor comes out in that. Cops are some of the most witty, quick-witted, insightful people that you'll ever be around because they're exposed to so much. And here's an example. Uh, I was a field training officer. I had a recruit. We went to this call where this guy had taken a shotgun, sat in the passenger seat, discharged it, and there was nothing left from the neck up. And I'm not going to get much more descriptive than that. 
one of my colleagues who I came up with as an explorer happened to be the detective on call that night. He shows up on scene. And one of the first things you got to do is identify the decedent. So he's rooting around looking for this guy's wallet. He finds it, takes out the driver's license, holds it up to me and the recruit that I have with me, covers the guy's head with his thumb. He's like, do you think this is our guy right here? Now, I get most, it. People would be, most people would be like, what? But that is a way, while we're dealing with things that we're on scene with, and this wasn't done in a public forum. This was done, you know, amongst us in a group. Um, and, and that's that what we call his- coping skills. We're going to take a short break. We're talking with Vinny Montez, career law enforcement officer and stand-up comedian. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. If you want to be a guest on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show, simply contact us. It couldn't be easier. You can send us a message on Facebook. Look for and like the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show page or email j at letradio.com. That's jay at letradio.com. If you've missed past episodes of the radio show, Never fear. You can listen to them online as a podcast. Just go to our website, letradioshow.com, where you'll find all the podcast episodes and much more. That's letradioshow.com. Back to our conversation with Vinny Montez, career law enforcement officer and also standard comedian. Before we enter break, Vinny, you're talking about the dark humor and one of the things that we used to do, and it was a very practical reason behind it, what they did to me when I was a rookie, and when I was a sergeant, I did it. And we had calls for badly decomposing bodies. It didn't matter whether they died of natural causes or foul play or whatever it was. I'm not going to get more descriptive than that, but one thing we would do is we would get on the radio and have the dispatcher send all the rookies there because they had to learn how to do their job in this horrible situation. And I don't care what people say, the old things don't work. You don't block the smell, there's nothing you can do. And right. we would play all kinds of pranks on each other. I remember being a sergeant, having a badly decomposed body, calling all the rookies up, and I'm sitting there doing my best to compose myself while eating a slice of pizza in front of this ballot, and they're <laughs> vomiting. and. You know the reason why we do this. We do this because, A, it helps take the edge off, but you've got to learn how to do your job. And that's the worst possible, you said it earlier, that death stuff, you see a lot of it, it takes its toll. Absolutely. And over the course of a a career of doing that, people don't realize that it's a cumulative thing. For You know, when people go to war, I've never been in the military, and I love our military, and I want to thank all the people that serve. Um, I serve differently as a law enforcement officer, but that cumulative, instead of it being acute like it might be with the military exposure, law enforcement is a cumulative effect of stuff. And that was no more evident for me than in 2008 when I hit the wall for myself in February of 2008. I was off duty. I came across an uh, accident where a kid wasn't breathing very well. It, tr- it tr- quickly changed into a scenario where he wasn't breathing, didn't have a heartbeat. We called for help, took a while for it to get there. We were in a canyon with no cell phone service. And eventually, after working on this kid for a long time, once medical took over, he passed. And I had this warm sensation. Again, the same guy who was on that call with me, it's been kind of weird. That detective who was on the call with me with the earlier story I talked about was the sergeant on duty that night who came up and stuck me in his Tahoe during this cold February night. And uh, as I was sitting there, I started drinking his that was sitting in the center console and 
this alarm feeling, this sensation came over me and I just broke down. I was crying. I, uh, I'd never lost control, for lack of better words, on a scene before. And I was like, what's going on? And really what I hadn't realized is all this stuff that I'd been experiencing over the course of a career was filling up. And I wasn't taking time off like our sheriff had warned me about. He'd given me the book by Dr. Kevin Gil Martin about emotional survival for police officers, and I really hadn't taken heed to it. And it was forced to really start dealing with that, either start to deal with more emotional problems or figure out an outlet to separate myself from the job. And that's where stand-up comedy really became my outlet and my beacon of continuing on in order to get me through this career and also to help with my mental health so I could truly continue to enjoy life instead of having some of the things that were starting to affect me on the outside. That's truly, uh, I can't say it any more expressly than I have. That's really where I ended up in a very dark space. And comedy just uh, was an outlet for me to bring myself back around. I found for me that comedy is a very good tool. And, and by the way, anger is a, a good tool also to hide and obscure a lot of things you talked about that I did during my lifetime where I would use the anger to keep people away and comedy to control the, the, the conversation because not to get all deep and philosophical and therapeutic, I think I just been too hurt for too long and seen too much that I, I didn't want to be exposed because quite honestly, there were times Vinny, you talked about in that patrol car where I started crying and I didn't think I'd stop. Yeah. And it, it comes yeah. up every now and then out of nowhere. Even now, all these years later, sitting there watching a stupid commercial, and all of a sudden, I'm like crying over stuff 20 years ago. Right. And, and, and I think that's completely normal, and I think that's completely fine. I think one of the big taboo subjects in the room for law enforcement is, this is what I was afraid of. Let's just lay the cards out on the table as they are. I was worried that if I shared these inner feelings and if I shared this sense of, you know, not being okay inside with my colleagues or my partners, that they would somehow equate that to weakness and that they would think that, or I would perceive that they would believe that I was no longer capable of backing them up or being there for them. And I got to put this to bed. That's a complete load of horse manure because the, the fact is, they're probably going through some of the same things. Not all, but some, most of them and some of them in some way or shape or form have all hit that wall in their career. And it's okay to reach out. And actually, if you do reach out and you say, look, I'm not all right right now, this is really bothering me. And you open up to that, tells people that you're willing one, to be vulnerable and say, listen, look, I have to acknowledge my issues. Because if you don't, oftentimes in our career, that leads to a few things, right? Substance abuse, alcoholism, divorce rates that skyrocket, your kids not being connected with you, all those things. And that's not what we want because we end up losing. And, and, and here's the other elephant in the room. I could name right now six cops in the course of my career. It's way more than that, that I can blame off the top of my head that have taken their own lives in our agency alone. And that is a very sad state of affairs because I think a lot of that was lead, was related directly to lack of coping mechanisms, mental health, alcoholism, things that were going on behind the scenes because they didn't want to be seen as a first responder who couldn't handle their, their business. And th that is a sad state of affairs. And we have to be more open now today, more than ever that, than we've ever been, of saying, look, it's all right. You know, everybody has their struggles. And here's the thing. Let's get it out in the open so that you don't feel like you're holding that in all the time so you can start coping with things. And, 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 anybody and enjoy your says, life. That's 
one of the things that really bothers most cops that I know is that if someone does a full career, they retire and they have a miserable life and a short life. Another one is they're doing a long career and they don't make it to retirement because their life ends by suicide or uh, hypertension or, or drinking themselves to death or any of these other things. All of them are none of which we want. And by the way, this isn't something that just happens to cops. This happens to wide segments of our population, including our yep. military veterans. In every community across the United States, towns, cities, states, we have law enforcement officers. We have first responders. We have incredible stories of heroism from our first responders. From law enforcement officers, EMTs, paramedics, firefighters, In addition to that, we have heroic crime victim survivors. If you want to tell your story of survival and how you recovered and how you rebuilt your life, feel free to contact us. We'd love to have you as a guest on the show. Just go to our website and contact me through there. Our website is letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. We're going to do a short break. Trust me, we'll be right back. Whether you're an aspiring podcaster, new or published author, speaker, content creator, visionary, or a dreamer crafting your message, now is your moment to shine. At CreativeCon 2024, you'll discover how to position yourself as an industry leader and leverage podcasting, publishing, production, and promotions to maximize your impact. For those seeking purpose, we'll ignite your storytelling passions and guide you to a more fulfilling path. To secure your tickets for this one-of-a-kind live event taking place at Chicago's Metropolis Performing Arts Center on February 17th and 18th, visit creativecon.com. That's C-R-E, the number 8, T-I-V-E-C-O-N.com. Get your tickets today. The future is yours. Speak it. Write it. Live it. Return our conversation with Vinny Montez calling us from Denver, Colorado area. And he's a career law enforcement officer and also a professional stand-up comedian. Both of which, I'll be honest with you, I love. I love to laugh and I love police. And there's very few people in the world that can get me the way the police do and get me to laugh the way they do. <laughs> I, they well, just they, they understand me. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's why people really like the comedy when they see me, especially not just police officers, but the community and then all the other EMS people, because it's relatable. They understand where I'm coming from. Like, there's not there's nothing that you can come up with in the comedy world that's really relating to the situational comedy that I talk about. Yeah, man, I think that uh, there's a lot going on in our country right now. You you alluded to this earlier. It's a bigger problem with mental health stuff that's going on. Uh, we, we, we're all kind of uh, going through our own trauma right now, being confined and quarantined with COVID. So humor, I think, has got to be the one thing right now today that people need to be looking out to and sharing a little bit of humor. It's hard when people are being funny and joking around to be angry. It's hard to be boxed off and you know, in a little uh, cave somewhere, if humor is brought into your life and nothing, I guess what I'm saying, Jay, is when I'm performing or when I'm watching people watch my videos, which is kind of a weird thing, and they're laughing and they're enjoying themselves, it just makes me get a lot of fulfillment inside because humor is just that one thing 
if you can crack a smile on a scene, if you can crack a joke with somebody that you're in contact with and find that common ground, and it just leads to so much positivity. And there's really so many stories in our police careers that do translate well, that become very, very funny. When we know how to elaborate and tell the story, there's some, when we get into the war story conversations, I'm I'm crying, I'm laughing so hard. And <laughs> I, I know you get what that means, but when I try to tell that to a civilian, someone who doesn't have a concept of policing, other than what they see on television or the movies, it doesn't right. work. So I have to... I don't have those conversations a lot with people who don't understand. So, But I'm going to get back to something you said. One of the things I love the most, in addition to doing the Law Enforcement Today radio show, I also am a FM music uh, DJ in the Florida Keys and Key West. And typically I play a lot of music and then it's about a minute break and I'll say something and it's a very quick hit, a very quick punch line, a very quick story because you don't have the luxury of time. And I like being able to to know that for at least one minute out of someone's day, I can put a smile on their face. 100%. I can't save everybody's life. I learned that in, in policing a long time ago. No matter how hard you try, you can't save, everybody needs to be saved. When you have those children like that that little one you talked about, they, they rip a part of your soul out of you. And you, you do everything you can, and we second-guess ourselves, we beat ourselves up, we do everything, like, what could I have done differently? Could I have saved this person? I can't do that, but I can make someone smile. You can make someone smile, and, you know, you look back to that situation that I had, you know, it, it's a lot about perspective, too. You know, for a long time, I felt bad because I had to experience that, and I sat down with the commander that I was working for at that time, and he told me something that I still will never forget to this day. And Steve, if you're ever listening to this, you know, I, you know, I told you this to your face, but he told me, you know, Vinny, you're looking at it as it happened to you. Look at it as like this. If that was my kid that was in that situation and, you know, they were going to go out the way this kid did, at least somebody that had a warm heart was with them. And it made me, it made, it made if it was my kid, it would have made him happy to have somebody like me there with him. And I was like, man, that's really deep. Holy cow, I never even thought about it that way. But it was all about the perspective. And I think that is the same way that that fits with law enforcement. You know, no, not everybody's going to always agree with law enforcement. You know, you see a lot of rhetoric on social media, especially about cops are bad. And, uh, you know, these, all these situations where people try to elicit, you know, response from cops that are negative. But that is in every facet of this world. And the thing that I always take away from it is it's such a small representation of what truly the men and women who are out there doing this job really represent. There's so many good things that are going on. You know, you have like dancing cop, the, Oh no, it's the Popo in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, one of my colleagues, he is out there on the street constantly, you know, engaging with kids. There's so much positivity coming from it. And let's be honest. One of the biggest questions that I get asked after I get off stages, especially when I do a, a show in the public uh, forum, is, man, are you really a cop? I've never met a funny cop before. And you think about that, you step back and you go, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the only time people see cops for the most part is when they're getting pulled over, the cop is responding to a, a disturbance, a family disturbance, or whatever the call is. Nobody ever calls the cops and says, now in emergency, yes. My kid just graduated from college tonight. Look, we're having a formal dinner. We're going to have all kinds of stuff, cake and ice cream. Send the squad over tonight so they can partake with us. Nobody does that. It's just not a reality. Wouldn't that be nice, though, if they did? It would, it would, be, it would be nice. 
I remember being invited to people's cookouts when I was working because I was a patrol officer and at a certain post. They're like, hey, come in and have a burger because people got to know you. But yeah. they, they didn't know. Here's, here's what's weird, Vinny, is I remember the the first time I got shot at by somebody. And it was it was two kids that were car thieves, an insignificant crime. And by the way, I had the same feeling for every one of these that occurred. I was like, why are you trying to shoot and kill me? You don't even know who I am. I'm just a cop yeah, in a you uniform. You have no idea who I'm as a person. Wow. You just touched on a huge topic, man, for me, because I want to argue this all the time. Like, one of the things that I find very interesting over after doing this job for more than 20 years is everybody that we have in the public forum, everybody the citizens out there want to be seen as their individual. And when we respond to their call, they want to be treated as an individual. They want to be heard. They want us to understand the circumstance and react based upon that individual circumstance, not a canned response. And a lot of the interactions that I'm seeing today in law enforcement are the opposite of that. Just because the officer wears the uniform they don't afford them the same thing. They want to, you know, you're a cop, so, you know, am I being detained? We go into that whole rhetoric of, am I being detained? What's your probable cause? What's your suspicion? But really, truly, the question that should be asked is, why aren't we seeing that being done the same way? Is the cop that's at the door, the person who you're in contact with, is an individual. They pay bills just like everybody else. They have social problems just like everybody else within the family household. You know, they've got a wife or a husband at home kids to have daycare with everybody in this country deserves to be heard in a certain way. But I agree with you. The cops have to be looked at the same way as individuals. But you know, if I come up on a scene and I'm a pain in the butt and I'm a jerk, fine. Deal with me on that merit. But if I show up and I haven't done anything like that, at least afford me the opportunity to show my true colors before that judgment is made. And, you know, it's hard to say that because, you know, people have a lot of, preconceived notions based on what they see in social media and so forth. But if there's one ask, and I do underline the word ask, let the officers out there that you come in contact with, you know, earn their, earn their merit as to whether or not they deserve, you know, to be treated fairly because most of the time, 99% of the time, those officers out there are just trying to do what they're supposed to do. And, um, I kind of went off on a tangent there. But no, you're absolutely right. Ninety-nine percent of the time, they're doing a great job under really, really bad circumstances with very little equipment and a lot less training than you'd realize. Before we run out of time, Vinny, I want people to make sure they can find out where they get more information about you and your comedy online. So they can go to vinnymontez.com. It has everything there. I was so uh, for- fortunate. In 2019, I got asked to do a special by Drybar Comedy. It is at, if you go to drybar.com and you look up my name, you'll see my special on there. It's called Vinny Montez, Armed and Hilarious. It's a clean, completely clean half-hour special designed to be able to see, be seen by the family. Uh, you know, if you see me in a club, it, it may not always be clean uh, like that. But this is a great opportunity for people to get exposure to see an insight into law enforcement and how... Um, we think about things and the humor that cops can actually bring. I, I, I really appreciate that. The other thing is, if you want to just follow me on social media, everything is Vinny Montez. I do a lot of sketches. I do a lot of stuff. And I really try to do what's called Humanize the Badge. I'm part of a group, a collective of officers around the country with Officer Daniels, Mike the Cop, 
oh no, it's the Popo, Deputy Hookham and Bookham, Officer Brandy. And these people are cops at major law enforcement agencies around the country who are really trying to do that, humanize the badge. And, and I would not be where I'm at today without having those relationships. And you know this, Jay, more than anything. Relationships are what build foundations and help people be successful. And I just want to give a shout out to them because they've been instrumental in helping me to get where I'm at. And all the officers, those senior guys like yourself who've been around a long time, you know, they helped me navigate some of those uh, landmines throughout my career and not making mistakes. And I just want to give a shout out. People may not realize how important those senior officers are, but I just want to thank you guys so much for all the help you've given me over the course of my career. And I would not be here without the fans that are following me and the people that are watching me. Uh, I'm very humbled to be able to be in this forum, to have this kind of outlet and speak to people and talk about my mental health and the struggles that I have because it's just going to add to uh, creating a better positive environment for interaction and dialogue. So thank you, Jay. Thank you for having me on the show. Uh, Vinny, thanks so much for being a guest. Very much appreciated. I'd like to thank our guests for coming on the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show. The Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show is a nationally syndicated weekly radio show broadcast on numerous AM and FM radio stations across the country. We're always adding more affiliate stations. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, which is always free, please do me a favor and tell a friend or two or three. I'll be back in just a few days with another episode of the Law Enforcement Talk Radio Show and Podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya. See ya.